Sean McCulloch, lead vocalist of Phineas, has joined The Antidote. Thanks for sitting in with us, Sean. How's it going, man? Just great, except the weather's a lot cooler here than it was in California. Oh, that's that's what I hear. Pretty perfect out here, so sorry. <laughs> now we're going to carry right on. Phineas has been described as mustache metal. Now, you got to explain what that's all about. Okay, well, mustache metal kind of just evolved into its own entity over uh, the past few years. Our drummer, Lee, has always had a mustache as long as I've known him, which I've known him for about seven years. And so uh, it's really kind of weird. He actually looks creepier without the mustache than he does with the mustache. (laughs) But um, the one time he shaved, I gave him so much crap. Yeah, like he had a mustache, and then, you know, when Jason came into the picture, both of us just kind of decided to grow mustaches too. And then uh, with the addition of our bass player, Bryce, I don't know, it just naturally happened, and it became a thing, and I don't know, we still like it. We haven't got annoyed with the mustache jokes yet, so we're stoked. I saw a t-shirt a few weeks ago, Zombies Love Mustaches, so that's got to put you in good stead. Awesome. I bet they do love mustaches. I think zombies like anything. Oh, yeah. Touche. But I guess you got to keep them on because now if you show up at a venue with the mustaches gone, they'll just think you're wannabes. Oh, yeah. At the same time that we love it, it definitely has become a stage requirement for the band. Every show, we have to have a mustache. Your 2011 release, The God Machine, put you on the map. But you were in the metal scene long before that. Can you fill us in on the background of Phineas? Uh, yeah, um... Well, Phineas has two EPs actually prior to The God Machine. The band technically started in 2001. Now, none of the band that is in the band today was in the picture back then. We were all 13, 12 years old back then. As the years went on, we inherited the band name by uh, joining one by one and carrying the band further. And so, you know, we released a couple songs, put them on an EP... And then uh, pretty soon after that, we lost both of our guitar players who were in the band. Uh, a guy named Scotty Whalen went on to play with a band called Hasta Day. Glenn Gizzy moved to Colorado with his wife and two beautiful children. So when that happened, you know, we were at that point a uh, guitar-driven metal band without any guitar players. <laughs> it was a little bit crazy, a little bit hectic. You know, we made a video to try and search for a new guitar player because we really believed in the material that we had written. And... Uh, What ended up happening was, I mean, I got desperate one day, and without the other guy's permission, I posted an ad on Craigslist. Jason, our current guitar player, was the second person to respond, and he was uh, just moved out to California from Iowa and was living with his dad. Yeah, he came over, and uh, him and I went over the guitar parts, and he learned our entire set in a night. Wow. I don't know. It just came together really easily, and uh, it's, it's weird, like, you know, the guys hated me for a couple seconds when they saw that I had posted something to Craigslist. But it's funny now looking back on it because they were pretty upset at that. I don't know know why. Well, maybe it's just been all those jokes over the years about a Craigslist band. This is true. I mean, and the reason why Jason was on Craigslist to begin with was that he used to play guitar for a bunch of different bands at a bunch of different venues. You know, anybody who needed a guitar player for like an hour or two long set would uh, post something on Craigslist. And he's like, yeah, I can come jam out for an hour or two. So he's just kind of a hired gun guitar player for a while, you know, until he found us. Then having a change in band members has been a positive for your band. I mean, in some cases, that can be a real negative. For sure. Um, 
I myself have been in the band for six or seven years, but I've seen six members leave. Wow. Yeah. It's not something that a lot of people really know about us. I mean, but yeah, I mean, I, I've seen six members go and uh, every member that, that has replaced the older members have not just filled those earlier members' shoes, but, you know, have made their own shoes and have really stepped up the band in every direction, whether it be, okay, now we can do it full time or our riffs are getting faster. I don't know. It's just been a plus in every direction with every member change. So do we have a dog in the background? I'm trying to figure out the background noises sometimes. Well, <laughs> I'm well, having fun with this. So it is amusing. There's like 10 dogs, not at my house, but all over the backyards of the neighborhood that I live in. I'm sitting in the backyard currently and uh, just enjoying the day. Um, my roommate is in where I normally keep my computer. He's playing Mass Effect 3. <laughs> I got kicked out. <laughs> Your videos seem to have almost as much impact as your music. What are you guys up to now? Like one and a half million views? How important are videos to your band? Well, um, I think that music videos are extremely important, especially in this day and age where, you know, I don't know, just CD sales aren't doing as well, like all across the board. And uh, we didn't really know how to go about promoting our band besides touring. And then uh, we released the I'm a Lion video and that, I don't know, the, the views just rose and rose and rose on that. We saw kind of how useful of a tool it is. Really, we view it as the most useful tool because it's a all-inclusive product, almost. You hear a song, you see the art behind the song and kind of the concept and the meaning behind it, and you see mm-hmm. the band performing live. Well, I mean, not live because it's a music video, but you get what I mean. And, you know, it has all of the websites and everything under it. Really, we all think of it as a uh, three-and-a-half-minute-long press kit. Perfect. It's almost like an infomercial. Absolutely, yeah. Your first full-length was The God Machine, and it's really outstanding. Well, this past July, you released your new album, The Last Word is Yours to Speak. But did you find it intimidating recording the new album, knowing that you'd have to at least equal The God Machine? There's always those fears, and the main thing is we just didn't want to go into a sophomore slump. All of us guys talked about it. We don't really care to try and top anything that we've done, you know? We we actually kind of view that as a couple things that are kind of turning the scene into something it shouldn't be, where bands either try and one-up bands or fans try and one-up fans, and it becomes about yourself rather than, you know, relating to somebody else. And I think that that's the approach that we wanted to take. Well, yeah, there there were a lot of really high ratings for The God Machine. We really just wanted to create a piece of art that would relate to people. And we wanted to keep that as the main focus. As far as Intimidated, no, no. We just know that we love music, and that's what brought us guys together. And, and, uh, and so we want to bring more people together through it. Production on, you know, the last word is yours to speak. It's perfect. I mean, because so often recordings seem to be really rushed through. Mm-hmm. Tell us about the recording process. Uh, well, we wrote the record over about a month and a half. Every week we would practice twice. And uh, we ended up recording at Red Cord Records Studio in Rockford, Illinois. Our record was engineered by a guy named Chris Galvez, who used to sing in a band called Steady Hands. He himself is an incredible musician and uh, very, very smart as far as the way he approaches things, Um, you know, from an engineering standpoint and from a producer standpoint. uh, 
helped us out a lot with little parts and ways to make songs flow better. And uh, it was mixed and mastered by a guy named Joel Wanasek, who runs a studio around Milwaukee, Wisconsin. As far as the way the new record sounds, like that's where the magic happened. <laughs> we really sent the recordings through, you know, forty, fifty thousand dollar chain of equipment, and really made it sound, you know, in my opinion, it sounds golden. Like I, I love the way the record sounds, and very, very happy with the result. And and Chris had a lot to do with that also, with just the way we tracked things too. So um, I think it was an all around effort. As far as like actually recording, though, it was quite the recording experience because all of us got sick and put us about a week behind. Oh, no. Um, like Lee knocked out all of the drums on the record in one day. The next day was spent drum editing. And uh, then the day after that, Chris, our producer, walked in with the virus and all of us got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it went really bad. And it was like individual for every single one of us. Like Bryce, uh, our bass player, basically had the stomach flu for a couple days. Jason had the stomach flu also. And I just got a sinus infection. So it was kind of attacked the areas that we needed to do our job. You know, there were days when Jason would be recording guitar and he could go about 10 minutes before you'd have to go throw up. <laughs> I have a picture on my Instagram where in the vocal booth, there's just so many empty water bottles and so many uh, tissues just strewn across the ground because I had to blow my nose and like hack up stuff like after every take I did. It was weird. I I don't want to say, you know, completely that it was like a spiritual warfare type of thing, but um, I definitely felt like it was just with our producer getting sick, with all of us getting sick, and then the sickness attacking us in like specific ways. And then the first note that Bryce strums on his bass, like the headstock on his bass breaks. There, there are just so many things to where, you know, I feel like people say so much spiritual warfare around me because earlier there was a line at Starbucks or something like that. I, I don't really feel that it's, it really applies not saying it applies to my case, but I just felt like there's definitely something that, you know, didn't want us to record the record well. Wow. But then also now when your fans come up and tell you that you that was a really sick album, you can say, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes, it was quite the, uh, quite the sick record. Let's talk about a specific song. The, the lyrics of the song, Twisted, include the line, You breed malice into your pews, like death, you never have enough. Fill us in about what caused you to vent. Yeah, it's a really angry song. Uh, <laughs> I'd say so. Yeah. Honesty is what we're about, man. There's a line in our new record that says the only originality left is honesty. And uh, Twisted is very, very angry. It's a hateful song. It, it is. I mean, yeah, I'm a Christian and I have hate in my heart. And it's for a group of people. There, there's a trend going on right now in Christian bands to write songs about Westboro Baptist Church, and that's what I wrote the song about. You know, they have so much influence. I guess everybody considers them such a big deal, but really, it's small potatoes, numbers-wise. Oh, absolutely. Um, as far as in their congregation, totally, but the people that they alienate and uh, give a bad name to Jesus himself, in my opinion... Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I feel like all Christians are guilty of that in some sense, you know, but 
not to completely condemn them, but I, I just don't believe that they're Christians at all. <laughs> mm-hmm. It says in the Bible, you'll know them by their fruits, and uh, they're definitely a bad tree. I don't see it. You know, I don't see them spreading love. In fact, they're spreading the exact opposite. And I realize that like them doing that, they have motives behind that. They have a whole entire law firm. Fred Phelps, the head pastor, was a lawyer or is a lawyer and was all the way back in like the civil rights movement and stuff. And he made a lot of money in that time. That That's what he does now. He instigates people by spreading hate um, to try and get them to, you know, take away any one of their rights, which, you know, any type of physical contact and that person will be sued. You know what I mean? And so it's, it's twofold. You got hate and you got the love of money, which is the root of all evil. Uh, yeah, it's the most twisted money scheme that I think anybody's ever thought of. So you're just basically saying you guys are Pharisees. Oh, absolutely. And they point out their rules and their doctrine and you know, I mean, when Jesus talked to them to begin with, he was like, yeah, you have your rules, but all these verses that you're adhering to in the Old Testament, they point to me. If you miss me, then it was all for nothing. Part of it is me having a lot of hate for them. And I know that that's, you know, sin on my own part. I realize that. Um, but I, I can't bring myself to censor myself about that, you know. So that's why that song came off so angry. And it is angry. I think we're all that way sometimes. Phineas's music often blends the melodic along with harder elements, and this really stands out on Dyson's Sphere. Why do you do this, and how do you feel it helps the song? Well, um, all of us listen to so many bands, and uh, so all of us are pulling in all these different influences, ranging from bands like Brand New to Born of Osiris. We just love the whole spectrum of music because... Like, I feel like when it's viewed at like that, it's more dynamic. And I think that's why we wanted to do that with that song on, on The God Machine. We did it with The Wishing Well. We wanted to stretch ourselves musically. Like, how can we make a song that starts off so beautiful, like, climax at this huge, like, pinnacle point, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, I hope it comes off as dynamic. That's what I would say. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's what makes it stand out so much. Awesome. Let's talk about the single Flesh Killers. So, Sean, you sing the lyrics, uh, Test me in the furnace of affliction, refine me as you wish, when the die is cast, breathe in me, you're an animating spark. But does anyone really want to be tested by affliction? Um, no, absolutely nobody wants to be tested by affliction, but it's not really like we're given a choice in life as far as those things go. And so I don't think it's like, oh, yeah, bring on the tough stuff or put my dad in the hospital. It's not like, mm -hmm. like I'm saying like I want that, but as far as like viewing those things as you're going through them, because you have no choice, like you have to go through them. You know, it's a matter of your outlook, and I think when you view it that way, like you can see that at the end you will either be stronger or you can see the presence of God even in the roughest times of your life. Sean, you do a great job of blending both clean and raw vocals. But if you were forced to choose one vocal style over the other, which would you pick? Oh, man, that's such a tough question. Because I love screaming and I love singing so much. Um, I mean, I grew up in choir pretty much all my life up, in, up until college. Um, even though I, I really feel like I'm an inadequate uh, singer, like I love doing it, you know, and... Uh, 
I, I, there's no way that I could choose between the two because I, I also love screaming. I love the dynamic and the, the rawness that is just screaming your guts out, you know. And so I think that there is equally beautiful things for both of them. The members of August Burned of Red have stated that metalcore is stagnating and there's a lack of artistry in the genre. What are your feelings on that statement? Um, I would agree with it. Um, I would agree just that the creative side have, has kind of given way to the trendy side. You know, I, I'm not going to name any names. I've just seen bands get huge off of close to zero musical skill. You know, all of us dudes in Phineas have a ton of respect for August Burns Red. They're doing some really, really unique stuff, and they have their own sound to them. You can listen to a song, and you, and you can be like, wow, yeah, that's an August Burns Red song. Jake doesn't even have to start screaming before. I'm like, yep, that's August Burns Red. But yeah, I, I feel people want to take the easy route, you know, and that and that's that's fine. They can do that. Um, but I, I guess from the way we see it is that a lot of these bands have picked up instruments to be in a band as opposed to picking up an instrument to learn music and to be able to express yourself in music. That's the biggest difference for us. You can tell when somebody just loves what they're doing and that they're expressing themselves or when somebody is doing something that somebody else already has done, <laughs> you know? Regurgitating the same thing. Regurgitating and very lackluster also. Fortunately, you guys aren't falling into that realm. Thank you. That's good. I, I would hope that we aren't. We try and test each other musically, try and push each other musically as hard as we can. And uh, every time we release a record, it is the hardest thing for every single one of us to do because we're playing things that are extremely hard for us to play. Or I'm seeing things that are extremely hard for me to sing or, or even scream because there's some type of new pattern that I want to put in or hold out a long scream. You know, there's so many different ways to push yourself. There's a lot of Christian bands in metal, but there's very few that actually have a lot of substance about God in their lyrics. But you guys do have that. So I guess what I'm trying to get at with you guys, since you do have more lyrical content about God, is that the biggest purpose of the band, trying to be making a statement, or is it the whole package? Um, I wouldn't say that it's making a statement. For us, we view it as all-inclusive experience where, you know, being a Christian, that's part of who we are. Like, it's not just what we live for, it is our lives. There, I don't think there's any gray area, or, or there shouldn't be. Like, we're a Christian band as a whole, and... Every single one of us has a walk with Jesus individually, and it's not just a lifestyle, it is our lives. And uh, with this band, there are so many purposes behind it. With, with the main one, yeah, I would say is to bring glory to God. Obviously, with that, God calls us to strive for excellence in anything that we do. So our musicality falls into that, you know, our, our merch display falls into that. Um, us playing often falls into that. The biggest thing for me, and I would say the other guys too, is is the community that we found in all the touring, in all of the, you know, hanging out with new people, meeting new people. You know, it, it's become about community and hopefully, you know, reaching out and growing together with people. You know, at the same time that I'm a Christian, I'm not going to treat anybody different if they're not. I don't think that that's right. I, I think that Christ calls us to love people where they're at, not where someone else thinks they should be glory to God, it's community, it's growing individually, 
Now, you mentioned about touring. You're about to head out on a month-long tour with War of Ages. Those guys are completely nuts. <laughs> How do you keep focused with having crazy people around you? What, what do you mean, crazy people? There's a lot of different ways <laughs> I could take that. <laughs> War of Ages played a show in Peterborough to a crowd, a massive crowd of 19 people. Oh, okay. Anyway, it was a crazy night. Do you ever find that some bands, if they're just right off the wall the entire time, it's hard to keep focused? Or are you guys equally as crazy? I would definitely say that there's a crazy side in Phineas. Absolutely I don't know. We tend to have a ton of fun with the bands that we've toured with, and uh, we've never met a band and have not been friends with them. You know, we, we've seen kind of all sides of the spectrum where bands are a lot more chill and laid back, and they usually tend to be a band consisting of older members. Then you've got the crazy, wiry 18, 19-year-olds who, who are stoked to be on tour, you know. Not, not that we're not stoked to be on tour. It's just what we do, you know. After this tour, we will have been out for 26 weeks this year. That's a long time on the road. It is. It is. It's a lot of a lot of mileage on our van. <laughs> so, you're just one of those people who can talk music all day. Oh, totally. But I'm a complete nerd in every form of the word. Um, the The song Dyson Sphere is taken from a Star Trek episode. Like there. <laughs> So, I no, I, I talk about things I like, like music and sci-fi all day. And yeah, I did catch the reference, Dyson Sphere. Yeah, it's it, it was actually kind of funny, because uh, there was a band that used to be on our label called Not One Is Upright. Um, their guitar player, his name is Gerald Dyson. And he uh, messaged me on Facebook, and he was like, Hey, uh, thanks for the tip of the hat to my uh, great-grandpa Freeman. Which, you know, Freeman Dyson was a physicist and hypothesized about the uh, concept of a Dyson sphere. I thought that was pretty funny. That is funny. The Antidote has been speaking with Sean McCulloch of Phineas. Sean, thanks for all your time and thanks for speaking with us. Oh, no, thank you, man. Thanks for having me. Keep it metal, brother.